As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. In the Champions League last night, Barcelona looked like Barcelona again. Rafinha, pico del área, centro, chuta el rebote, There will be tougher tests than Antwerp at home, but there is a growing feeling that Xavi's side are ready to entertain again on Europe's biggest stage. So let's talk about 16-year-old sensation Lamine Yamal. Also, the two Jaws, heaven sent Gundogan, and if the real Barcelona are back. I'm Ayo Akimulere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Okay, joining me uh, are our Spanish football writers for The Athletic, Paul Boyus and also Dermot Corrigan. Paul, you were at the game last night against Antwerp. 5-0 to Barcelona. Look, there are going to be tougher tests than Antwerp for sure. But can we say Barcelona have their swagger back a little bit? A little bit, maybe, yeah. They were like really effective, really clinical in front of goal. They scored, I think, that three goals with, with two shots in target at the start of the game. So that's quite... That's a good start. That's a good way to put it. But I think that Barca fans have reason to be optimistic. I think that all the new signings that played proved that they improved the team a lot. Mm, they are great assets. Uh, Joe Felix was probably the icing of the cake with two goals and, uh, and an assist. But I wouldn't underestimate um, what Joe Cancelo did, um, how Wilkay Gundogan played uh, as well. I think that Barcelona, if you analyze the starting eleven has a better team than last season, has experienced players, possibly players that were seen as a short-term fix because they were signed or either on loan for the season or Gundogan getting a long contract for a 33-year-old. But right now, Barcelona are possibly... I think that Xavi was quite telling with his words after the game. He said that Barcelona is undergoing the best moment of, of, of playing since he's a Barcelona manager, and that's quite honest and quite true about what's happening in the club right now. Yeah, what about uh, not playing at the new Camp this season? Does it feel a bit strange for, for Barcelona fans? Obviously, that can also affect the way a, a team plays, but, uh, you know, this is new territory for, for Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a quite interesting thing. Actually, when they played the first La Liga game at home, uh, the Cadiz manager uh, said that they were quite hopeful that the Montjuic effect, the new stadium effect, could help them just to unsettle Barcelona because they are not used to playing there. 
But the reality is that now it's not the camp now, but the 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 atmosphere is quite good for what Barcelona could expect. Um, the stadium has been almost full in the last three games that they've played in there, um, so it's been quite a good ride so far. Um, it's a bit tough to get there. You have to walk up a hill. Um, it's a bit yeah, it's a bit tricky, but I think that everyone is quite happy with how things are going so far. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the stadium is under reconstruction. They will be back at Camp now at some point. Uh, but yeah, that's at some point. Yeah, told, but I, I yeah, when that will be. When, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Dermot. Let's bring you in. Um, Paul just talked about Joao Felix and also uh, Joao Cancelo as well. Let's talk about Joao Felix because I know you watched a lot of him at Atletico Madrid, and the early signs are good. Um, that the, the game against Betis, scoring, assisting. Same again here in the Champions League. Have we found the right environment for, for this young man to, to flourish as a footballer? Joe Felix is a super talented player. Um, I don't think there's, there's any doubts about that. Anybody who watched him play for Atletico and the, the skills he has, the touch he has, the understanding of the game, it's been trying to get those performances on a regular basis and fit into a team setup. That's been the problem with him, especially under Simeone at Atletico and also when he went to Chelsea. And it looks like he's gone to a honeymoon period now. He he looks like he believes he belongs at Barcelona. He He's always seen himself kind of as a, as a coming superstar. And that's how everybody around him has treated him. He likes to be on the stage at Barca. And, you know, the goals he scored last night or the goal he scored last night, the assists, the way that he's, he's kind of settled in shows that he's, he's kind of, yeah, really enjoying himself. Again, I'd say it's kind of honeymoon period. It's to see how, how things go and things are not going so well for him. Looks like he's going to play most of the games for, for Barca going forward. But again, it's, it's early days. Um, Paul, you were just saying that, you know, that the Barcelona fans seem to, to warm to him. And obviously, he's an Atletico player, really. Um, is, is there any sort of conflict there between Barcelona fans or are they just happy to see that, you know, finally we might have a winger that, that wants to play for Barcelona? And let's not forget the circumstances in which he came here. He he, he came on a, on a pay cut and um, he, he feels like he's willing to, to, to put the working anyway. I think that this was a key aspect. Uh, the fact that he was really willing to join Barcelona. I think that somehow, like from the Barcelona narrative, they tried to sell the Joao Felix signing as, look, we're getting a top player for a cheap price. So we have to welcome him. We have to embrace him. And I think that if you analyze like the context that Joao Felix has in Barcelona, it's the best context that he's had in his career. Uh, of course, like from a style point of view, what Dremont was saying, Atletico, wasn't a great fit for for Joao Cancelo, but if you uh, Joao, Joao Felix, sorry, but if you look at Chelsea last season uh, and you compare it to Barcelona now, I mean the dressing room harmony that he has at Barcelona, how the players have welcomed him. Um, we have been speaking with sources at the dressing room. Uh, they say that both Joao's has been a, a spectacular and like the welcoming process has been really smooth, really fine with the teammates, with the back, uh, with the coaching staff, with everyone. Plus, he's in a place and in a moment that he wants to reignite his career. He wants to prove the doubters. He wants to get back to the promising career that he once hinted when he was at Benfica. And like the left-wing slot was just free for him. On deadline day, Ansu Fati and Abde, the two players that were tipped to play in there, were gone. So it was practically like a perfect script for Joao Felix. Um, and he's proving like on the pitch, he is delivering with good performances. I think Xavi um, preferred to play with a four midfielder system. But now with Joao Felix in this sort of form, he will have to reconsider it. Partly because Joao Felix can be a midfielder sometimes. Mm. And he's lodged into midfield like his Kundagan or Gabi or Pedri. 
but yeah, I think that he has the best of both worlds, being a midfielder or being comfortable mixing with the midfielders, but also deep down in him, the soul of an attacker. It's hard to under, it's hard to overestimate just how bad the summer was mm-hmm. for, for Joe Felix. I was at the Atletico's training camp up in the mountains here outside Madrid in, in July, and he was pretty much excluded. He was taking part in some of the sessions. He was going around with like a, a sourpuss look on his face. Simeone was making clear that he wasn't going to use him, then he wasn't in any of the, the preseason games. He, you know, there was just, he was completely on the outs at, at, at Atletico. He kind of had a bit of a power struggle with Simeone, and for a while it looked like the, the club hierarchy were going to go for Joe Felix. Like, even there was a chance that, you know, Simeone might have left last summer and Joe Felix could come in with a new coach and be the star at Atletico. And he needs, I think Joe Felix needs to be the, the star of the team that he set up, and he always has been as a, as a kid. Even when he came through at Benfica in his first season, he was automatically the guy that, you know, was taking penalties, was the guy who people looked to in the team, you know, got to, to chat to him for, for the Athletic a couple of years ago. And he's somebody who believes that he can win the Ballon d'Or. Like, he thinks of himself as the next Cristiano Ronaldo, as the Portugal's next big star for, for this decade. Hasn't gone that way at, at Atletico, went off the rails completely. But now he's at, I was going to say he's at the camp now, but he, he's at Barcelona. He's <laughs> a, a star in the team. He's playing for Xavi. He's scoring goals in the Champions League. That's all going to, you know, push him on even further, I think, because he's a guy who has the, he has the natural talents to play for anybody, I'd say. You know, his could be exactly what Barca need, really. I, I move went through a, a lot because of, you know, Jorge Mendes and the influence that Jorge Mendes has at Barca these, these days. And they needed to, to find a solution for Joe Felix's career. I'm not sure Xavi really wanted him. Maybe if he, he might have gone for a different type of a player. But now that he is there, he's showing what he can do. And, you know, Xavi's going to use him, obviously, that he has him now. And it, it just could be kind of a, a case of things coming together perfectly for him just at the right moment. That is the thing that I wanted to mention. Um, Xavi didn't really want Joao Felix in summer. At the start of summer, I can remember, like, at the precision tour at the US, we were speaking with sources from the coaching staff. And they weren't particularly interested in signing Joao Felix. They had some concerns on how he would fit with the off-the-ball work right, that you need to do to play for Barcelona. It's not. It's a different type of work right, that, that the one you have to do at Atletico, but still, it's like a big principle for Xavi. And yeah, they, they weren't like really enthusiastic on signing Joao Felix, but after Ansu Fati told the manager that he wanted to leave, um, and after they did the same, Xavi said, OK, if we have Joao Felix, I'm going to take it. Um, but yeah, it's quite... Amazing, like like to see how a player that wasn't a request from the manager ended up being one of the names of the startup for sure. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akinwalere. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Portugal. 
Paul, bring us back up to speed because uh, up until last season, five years before Barcelona had lifted the La Liga trophy, which is so bizarre to think about based on the greatness historically of, of this team. But I also look at it in terms of, you know, the style of play that the Barcelona had last season probably wasn't the best. Um, there's a brilliant article by Laia Cervelo Herrero talking about, you know, Barcelona entertainers again at last. But she sort of caveats it with saying, you know, they, they won the league last season, but incredibly defensively. Um, they were brilliant, top, top, top defensively. And we're not used to seeing that from a Barcelona team. Just give us the circumstances which allowed Barcelona to, to win La Liga last season, but also perhaps have this sort of conservative style that we're not used to. Yeah, I don't know if it's conservative style or basically what they could do. Xavi felt that he didn't, or that he wanted uh, some reinforcements or different players to play a better style. But yeah, despite winning La Liga last season, which, is a, which was a great achievement for Xavi, uh, I think that there were like a couple of aspects that he needed to face and fight this season, which were one one is the Champions League. Um, the club needed to take a step forward in the Champions League. It's a, it's a sort of trauma for Barcelona right now, the Champions League, uh, not being able to qualify for the knockout stages for two seasons in a row and the past traumatic defeats against like top teams um, that showed Barcelona that they were like, they were like really far from the elite level uh, in Europe. So yeah, one point was the Champions League and the second one was playing well. Barcelona won a lot of games by a one nil margin last season. That's not common or... Um, I think that there's another stat, which is uh, Barcelona had not been able to win a game or a La Liga or a Champions League game for a five-goal margin since Lionel Messi left the club. This week, they've done it twice. The win last night, I mean, it's... It's Antwerp, there's still a lot to do, there are going to be tougher tests. But it offered glimpses of the two things that Xavi needed to improve the season. This is what the fans are going to demand him. Um, I'm not saying that he doesn't have credit because he has a lot, because he's Xavi and because he won La Liga last season. But this is the things that he needed to improve on and this is the things that he is improving on at the start of this season. It's been really interesting to watch Xavi's kind of, how his tactics have evolved over his time at Barca. Like he came in, and from his time in, in the Middle East, he'd made this plan of what he was going to do at Barca. And he was like, we're going to get two wingers. We're going to stretch the play. We're going to play 4-3-3. The first couple of games, he put in some youth team players into the team just to make sure that he had these wingers that's to play the way he wanted to do. Kind of quickly worked out that that wasn't, going to, that wasn't going to be good enough or you know, he didn't have the players to play that way. Then last season, he kind of wanted to play 4-3-3, but ended up like using Gavi as a fourth midfielder. So he adapted to what was going because, you know, they were to put the best players into the team. The way that worked out was that, you know, I'm going to play at right back. I'm going to have a guy who's kind of Araujo or Kunde, somebody who's like a third centre back, really, who just plays there. And I'm going to get pushed the left wing back on and kind of play three at the back. Or now he signs Cancelo, who's, you know, a different type of a right back again. And he gets Joe Felix, who's a guy who's going to play, come inside from the wing. So again, he's had to adapt to the players that he was given, who, as Paul was saying there, maybe were not the players that he, or the type of players, the profile of player that he would exactly have gone for. But because of Barca's financial situation, because of the way the transfer policy worked with, you know, Deco coming in, Matteo Alemán, all the kind of stuff that goes on at, at Barcelona, Javi's had to adapt to that. So you could say he's done a really good job of, of adapting to it. But it's not the philosophy Xavi comes in and says, this is the way we're going to play. This is my style of football. He's he's definitely had to tone down that and just adapt to circumstances as he's gone along. Yeah, I just want to pick up on that. 
Paul, because you, you look at the circumstances in which Xavi uh, came in, you know, Barcelona, you know, with a billion dollars in, in, in debt, having to sell off key assets within the club to raise funds. And then on top of this, you've got the restructuring of the famous club now, which is another huge debt and the transfer stuff going on. I mean, you have to applaud him um, for just getting the team over the line because also what he needs to do again is bring money back into Barcelona because they need to pay off a lot of debt so there's a lot going on here and that's why I think that Xavi is the best option the best shot that Barcelona has to have like on the dugout uh, Xavi is a guy that understands the club knows the financial situation he he's a fan so he has some sensibility to the club that's really good right now for Laporta and at the same time like his name, his reputation as a former legend, as a former player for the club, makes him have like an extra credit from, from the fans in a place where it's easy to to get born. Right now, the Barcelona bench is a tough place to be because you are probably not going to get the signings that you want. You're probably, it's going to be a tough way to work with a lot of politics involved. Look at Joe Felix. I mean, it's worked out really well, but at the end of the day, Xavi got a signing that he didn't really want to. I mean, that's not an ideal situation for any manager. If that happens in any other place, uh, some manager could get really mad with that. It's still unsure how they're going to fix the whole situation. But uh, inside the club, they believe that if things start ticking inside the pitch, it's all like a virtuous cycle. They call it that way. Outside the pitch, you're going to be able to get more money for players, for sponsorships. Uh, fans are going to be more excited to go to, to the game and the mood around the club is going to be better and they believe that that's the way to get out of the hole that Barcelona has dig themselves into. A great turn of pace from Nico Williams. Yamal! Oh! History! Yet more of it! He's only 16, but now Lamine Yamal becomes Spain's youngest ever goalscorer. One player particularly that's caught so many people's eyes globally um, is uh, Lamine Yamal. Um, look, when he started for Barcelona last season, he was 15 years old <laughs> and 290 days, you know. Um, look, let's start with this. Ansu Fati, I felt there was a lot of fanfare, very similarly. Oh, number 10 shirt, it's got to take over Messi. He's now at Brighton on loan. Do we need to just manage some expectation here? We do need to manage the expectations for sure because Barcelona is the perfect play to like the perfect place to overhype players and just to get excited <laughs> about players and just to yeah let the excitement coming um and probably you have to calm it down a bit Lamine Yamal has a better setup than than what Ansu Fati had um Ansu Fati was uh, came in in a in a moment that Barcelona was like looking for fresh new stars uh for fresh new players fresh new faces then Lionel Messi left um there was this thing about giving him the number 10 shirt which will be seen as not a great move in the club's that's history. That's a heavy move. Yeah, it's a heavy shot that's, to wear, isn't it? Th that's a bold move. And uh, as much as he was happy to take it and he was happy to take that pressure and he looked up for it, it's something that I guess that no no teenager had would have to go through. That's a fact. But then now you look at Lamin Yamal and there's like different things. When you speak to backroom staff and, every, and everyone surrounding the first team, they say that his mindset is really focused. He's like, he's like a veteran. I mean, since the moment that he started working with the first team, uh, there's a quote from Xavi like on press conference saying that this young kid right now, Jesus, when I started as a player, I was like a different thing. I was like, 
just scared of playing with the big lads. And now they it's just natural to them. It just comes natural to them. And you can see that in Lamin Diamal when he steps into the pitch, he's just he just doesn't care. He's just calm. He's just happy. He does his thing. And then, like, the important thing that Lamin Diamal has, in my opinion, and that Barcelona has a squad in which, if everyone is fit, he won't be in a rush to play. So he will have Rafinha to take minutes off him. He won't be demanded to make the difference for the team. He's going to have minutes because Xavi wants to give him minutes and the club has instructed everyone to boost Lamin Yamal and to make sure that his career goes forward. But at the same time, um, I see like a similar a scenario and I'm not going <laughs> to... Jesus, I'm, now I'm feeling bad because I'm overhyping it. But I, <laughs> no, no, don't worry. This one we've got Dermot here. Don't worry. He's coming good, in. So he's going to bring you back down. Don't you worry. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> I don't want to... I mean, he's not Lionel Messi. I'm not going to compare him with Lionel Messi. But he has a similar context because Lionel Messi, when in his first season as a full first team member, he had Ludovic Jolie, the French winger, playing as a, a starter, giving him just time to develop, to make mistakes, to to blossom as a player. And I think that Lamin Yamal has now a similar thing with Rafinha, with Ferran Torres, players that can take minutes, that can take responsibility because they have to, because they cost big money. And they can allow um, Lamin Yamal to blossom like in a in the background context, where the expectations are not just to deliver every single day um, and where he can become the player that he hints that he can be, which is an amazing footballer. Dermot, you hear people like Paul hyping him up, saying, you know, he can he can develop <laughs> organically. Um, it's very hard to develop organically when <laughs> all eyes of the world are on you, right? I, I know all these players might take the pressure off him, but I mean, it, I, I think I said 17 early. He's still only 16 years old. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing. And I've been very skeptical about it. When he came was put into the squad last year by, by Xavi, I was thinking it was maybe to do with his contract to make sure that Barca were able to keep him. Then when Spain put him in the squad... It was like, well, that's because they want to give him some caps so that he doesn't play for Morocco because he's qualified to play, to play for them. And then I was at the Spain game last week um, in, down in Granada when he came on or he started the game and he was just amazing. Like he was really, really, he was like... The, the, <laughs> Derma, I was relying on you, man. Come on. Thank you, Derma. Thank you. Thank you. The mood in the stands, like it was, Spain were winning the game very, very easily. Um, other players looked really good as well. Like Nico Williams looked good. But, you know, the 16-year-old kid picked up the ball was when there was the most expectation amongst the fans. These are just Spain fans who haven't seen that much of him. Um, it was their first time seeing him in flesh. You know, my first time, I, you know, I had the feeling that I was witnessing something that I was going to remember. You know, in 10 years' time, we'll, sit, we'll be sitting here doing another podcast. It'll be like, do you remember the first time you saw Lamin Yamal play? Where was it? Uh, but obviously, you have to be realistic about it or, or let the brain come in. Because Anzu Fadi, like... I remember watching Anzu Fadi and some of the, you know, he was coming on and scoring after five minutes in games. These cool finishes from, from the edge of the box. Now, over the last 18 months, you know, his, he got injured. It wasn't handled very well between him and the people around him. Um, was rushed back. Mentally, it took a big toll on Anzu Fadi. And he's never got that spark that, you know, you have when you're 16 or that fearlessness that the Paul was saying that Xavi says about it, that he goes out, doesn't even think about what he's doing. Just like, you know, cuts inside and has a shot, goes in the top corner. This is great. Anzu Fadi now was like doubling back, get, passing the ball back to the fullback instead of like taking somebody on. And that's that's why you need to protect him. Or that's why hopefully he plays, you know, 15 games or something for Barca this season. And, and, you know, maybe he's involved in the Spain squad, but they're not relying on him to get to the Euros or something like that because hopefully we are here in 10 years' time talking about a guy who is like right at the top, who maybe is wearing the Barca t- number 10 jersey at that stage of his career and the guy that they look to. But 
like with Javi and with, with Joe Felix or with Joe Felix um, and Barca's five 0 wins, it's it's early days yet, and it's it's very early days yet with, with Yemi. But Paul, quick one on on Ansu Fati. Uh, is he wanted back at Barcelona? Do we feel that there's room for him in this squad currently? Because you've got Lamal, you've got Balde, you've got Gavi, you've got Pedri. Is there space for Fati to come back and and start to play for Barcelona again? If Fati is able to come back to the mental place and to the physical place that he was at some point in Barcelona, he will have a place in Barcelona because if you have a player of that caliber, you have no other option than making room for him. But right now, seeing Joao Felix playing as well, I don't think that him and Joao Felix can... I mean, I think that they have the same role at Barcelona or they play at the same position. Um, I think that Joao Felix's performance last night was sort of like what fans expected from Ansu Fati at some point of his career to, to develop um, and become this sort of player, like a left winger, but also cutting inside, being a sort of midfielder as well, a lot of quality in his food. So it's going to be uh, tough to see because at, at the same time, like the good thing for Ansu Fati is that I don't see an easy way for Barcelona to get Joao Felix on a permanent signing. So... Um, so if if he gets back to his best, to his form, which I think that he felt that he needed to do it outside Barcelona, and that's good for him if he's able to get back to that form. I don't I don't see why he can he can't recover his place at Barcelona, but it's not going to be an easy way. It's, it's not going to be an easy path. Um, there, there's going to be struggles. There are going to be tough moments, and let's see how this season goes. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athletic football with no spaces. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Let, let's talk about Xavi then and, and, and looking at about how this season goes. Dermot, I want to come to you on this one. And, you know, we talked about what he inherited. Is this the season we should really judge him on what he's able to do? Yeah, they have to, to improve again. Um, it's, it's a new team as well. Just even by adding the two, the two shouts into it, it's, it's a different team and, and Gundogan as well. There are more expectations. And that trauma that, that Paul mentioned there before about playing in Europe is really there. Like since the game at Anfield when they got knocked out the A2 against Bayern Munich and then getting knocked out in the group stages the last couple of years. Like Barca fans 
they were really happy to win the Liga and they celebrated it a lot and it was hugely important for them and for Xavi and for Laporta and everybody. But they want to be in the Champions League quarterfinals, semifinals. They want to be around when those big games are, are on and when the pressure is on. And, you know, when it comes down to they want to be able to beat Man City or Bayern Munich or, or whoever it is and to, to feel that they are they are back as you know they keep saying every now and again like somebody said Barca are back but to really be back that that's what you need and you know five five nil against the Betis team who were missing key, key defender had just been sold to Saudi Arabia and the manager wasn't happy and then against Antwerp last night like Clasico is coming up in in a month's time or so and that's going to be a huge one Madrid have had a, a bit of a weird start to the season as well they've got Bellingham is playing really well um but they've some issues in their team neither Madrid or Barca I think are, are favorites in any way to, to win the Champions League this year but for both of them, that Clasico is going to be a huge kind of moment in the season. If they can, whoever wins that and is you know top of their Champions League group, top of the league table, you go like, yeah, this is this is going well, and that's where Xavi wants to be. Paul, I'm just looking at the, the lineup from from last night against um, Antwerp, and don't get me wrong, yes, it is Antwerp, but Testegen in goal, um, Cancelo, Gunde, Christensen, Balde, that's your back line. Gundogan, De Jong, Gavi, Rafinha, Lewandowski, Felix. That's a decent team. That's a really decent team. Yeah, yeah, that's a really decent team. At the same time, I'm going to be honest, I don't think that any fan is going to demand or make Xavi win the Champions League. I mean, um, what they want is what Dermot was saying, uh, to feel that they are able to look at the face to the Man Cities, to the Liverpools, to the... Well, not Liverpool because it's not in the Champions League, but all the all the top teams that it, that's not a dig to Liverpool fans. Sorry, Barcelona fans want to feel big again, and yeah, I think that the demand to Xavi is going to be this. But the reality is that, and that's my opinion. I I started the podcast with this, but I think that Barcelona has a better starting lineup than they did last season. Um, what uh, signings provide to Xavi? Because we are talking a lot about the two Joao's, but what Gundogan did last night is everything that you need and expect from a Barcelona midfielder. Xavi spoke about him um, on the press conference after the match. And just when he heard Gundogan's name, his eyes were like, <laughs> Jesus, that's the midfielder that, that we wanted. He, he, he said that his signing was like heaven sent. The extra quality that all the signings has um, added to this Barcelona side, that if you look at it, Barcelona has only been able to spend 3.5 million euros in this transfer window. And... Even doing that and spending that, they've been able to improve the, their squad for this season. We'll see if that's good for the future, because as I was saying, uh, some of the additions are like short-term fixes and Gundogan. Um, some can question the length of his contract and the condition of his contract. But Barcelona has a has a squad that is everyone is fit. They should be able to compete and to bring problems to any team in the world. Um and that's basically what everyone expects uh, from Xavi and from this team. Yeah, no, on that, like, Barca have a better starting eleven and better bench as well this year than they had last year. And maybe they have a better starting eleven and bench this year than they will have next year as well. Because Joe Felix, Joe Cancelo are on loan. And as Paul said, they say Joe Felix, player of the year in, in the Champions League, his cost is going to be $150 million or or something like that. Barca, be difficult for them to sign him. So that adds to the pressure a little bit on Javi. There's talk around his contract, which, you know, he's to extend his contract and now it's going to be like a year less than it was supposed to be. If things do click and, you know, they play this beautiful football, they, they win the Liga easily, they get into the, the final stages of the Champions League and they're competitive even if they even if they don't win it. That's what, that's the whole kind of bet that Laporta has made over the last couple of years with the, 
the levers and everything is to to launch that virtuous circle. Suddenly, Barca are you know profitable again. The flip side of that is that things don't go great this season. Hey, Lewandowski's getting older. Gundogan's getting older. The loan players go back. You can't replace them. The financial issues continue. They have to start doing more levers. You know, it's it's a huge moment in in the club's history. I think. Yeah, um, in a second, I just wanted to talk about that spending cap and what their limitations are. But very quickly, Paul, I know you've also written about the sort of uh, the advantage. Xavi likes to have uh, against his opponents with the use of AI, right? Like uh, there's a brilliant article and it blew my mind. Unai Emery is a big fan. Um, Can you just tell us a little bit more about this? Because I can seemingly see this sort of being something that sort of reverberates around the football world. Yeah, no, it was sort of a requirement that that Xavi had when he joined the club. He wanted to work with this company. It is a company that was ignited with Xavi as one of the initial investors. He started developing the system when he was a manager in Qatar. Uh, this is called Cognia, uh, this system. Uh, Unai Emery, as you were mentioning, yeah, um, he is also working with it. The AI just detects spaces or line breaks or um, or any situation that can benefit potentially your your team, depending on the parameters that, that you're looking for. And it's something that, yeah, that, that Xavi wants to work on. Knowing that Barcelona is a club where you cannot train that much because you play three games a week. It's basically game, recovery, game, recovery, game, recovery. So um, having the the ability of like analyzing opponents like from a video perspective, looking on a big sample like on what they have done throughout the season is something that is being helpful to Xavi and to his backroom staff. Yeah, it's interesting. I never thought with this conversation we'll go into AI necessarily, but there you go. Uh, I'm just thinking about this, um, and it's slightly off piece, but I'm thinking if it's picked up by so many different teams, everyone ends up playing in a very similar way. <laughs> you know, I always think like you know a sat- satellite navigation sometimes ushers you into traffic because everyone else is taking that same journey. I mean, c- could could there be a danger of this um, that individuality in the game? Because you know we-, we are now seeing a particular style of football being played globally. Paul written this with a certain X Man City uh, assistant manager <laughs> <laughs> about how like the kind of the ingenuity yeah. and the creativity has gone out of football because everybody started to, co- to copy what, what Pep was doing basically or then there's a reaction to that and then there's another one and now I guess things you have to be you have to try and be one step ahead of it if, if everybody's doing it a certain way then you have to already have come up with the solution to that or come up with it whoever comes up with the solution which is maybe deserving it at the minute you suddenly get a huge advantage until everybody else catches up you know Xavi has, has a lot of faith in it and he's been you know he knows the guys who are involved in it he's kind of invested I think both financially and personally, emotionally in the project. And he believes that it, mm. if it can give them that extra advantage to say, look, all the teams are playing this way, which means that here is the the chink in their armor or the Achilles heel is now, you know, the space behind the holding midfielder. Or if the right back's going to play as an auxiliary midfielder in a Trent Alexander-Arnold type way, then suddenly we can get we can get behind them or whatever it is. I'd be skeptical enough about it, I guess, you know, old school football man like, like myself. But, <laughs> Going to cut out the ketchup at the at the <laughs> training ground and we'll go from exactly. there. But yeah, like it, it's super interesting. It's a good story and it, it, it's definitely happening. Um, whether you know at the very top level, whether it makes that much of a difference, I don't. Maybe it does. It's marginal gain, but maybe so. Yeah. Um, just a quick one on the spending cap. Um, Paul, can you just give us a, a, a brief sort of insight into what Barcelona can spend, how they can spend it, and what kind of business they might be willing to do as as we move forward towards the end of the season? 
Yeah, let's see if there's a brief or a simple way to put it. Because <laughs> this, is, this, this sort of stuff of the financial situation of Barcelona is like uh, tough to explain. But yeah, La Liga has like some salary limitations for every club, depending on the uh, income that they have and how they are investing their their money, basically. Uh, Barcelona's uh, salary limit has decreased by around 400 million from last season to this season. This is partly uh, an effect of the levers because Barcelona pulled some lever last season um, and they meant that some money wasn't coming in this season. So the income is expected to be lower. Barcelona, on their own side, tried to, or they, they have actually reshaped their, their spending in salaries by, by cutting their, their salary bill in 140 million. Inside the club, this is seen as a success, as something which is like an accomplishment. Uh, it, it was tough to do, but they have done it. There's still a long way to go and Barcelona still have some limitations to sign new players. They cannot um, sign all the players and, and register all the players they want, that they want. And a proof of that is that they struggled to register all the players uh, this summer until deadline day. Inigo Martinez, a new signing that came in on a free transfer, he couldn't be registered as a first-team player until the very last day of the transfer window. And things are going to still be on that way for Barcelona for, for some time. At the end of the day, Barcelona, of course, they, they want to sign a certain type of player and they want to reinforce some positions, but they cannot sign the, play, the ideal players that they want. Um, they only couldn't afford Joao Felix on loan. For the holding midfield position, they wanted to sign Martin Zubimendi, but they just can't afford the signing of Martin Zubimendi. So a, the recruitment of Barcelona is a bit like, we get what we can. That's what they've done this, this summer. It's panned out pretty well for them. Um, the team is still a bit unbalanced uh, in some areas. We, we, we could call it that way. And that's why, <clears throat> that's why Xavi will have to manage a bit like his dressing room, how all the players fit, how they slot into the game time that, that they expect, if they are all happy with the system. Because as, as Dermot was saying, not a long uh, back away, uh, Robert Lewandowski was like internally complaining about the system and, and about um, how the game flow was like going for Barcelona. Now it all seems good, all seems fixed, uh, but let's see when's the next problem coming up in Barcelona because I'm sure that it's not going to be uh, <laughs> really far from today. I oh, appreciate it. Let's leave it there, uh, Paul Dermot. Really appreciate your time. And do not forget, you can sign up to The Athletic today for a special limited time offer of just £1 a month for 12 months at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Head over to The Athletic to hear and read from these two as well. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beal. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. The Athletic.